It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, we're going to be discussing the future of Matteo Genduzzi, who, according to reports from France, has agreed to join Marseille on a permanent deal. Now, I want to be clear. Although the reports from France suggest that Matteo Genduzzi himself has agreed to join Marseille at the time of recording a fee has not officially been agreed between the two sides. So we'll go into a little bit more detail on exactly where this is at in terms of as a transfer, how far are we down the line? But it does seem like Matteo Genduzzi, who I think most of us expected to leave the club this summer, is edging closer towards an Arsenal exit. First of all, big hello to uh, those of you joining us in the live chat. Hope you're all well. Um, hope you're all enjoying the bank holiday Monday here in the UK. The weather is brilliant, which is great. Uh, it's been a while since we um, were able to sit outside for more than 10 minutes without it absolutely pissing down with rain. So uh, it was nice yesterday. It's nice today as well, which obviously puts everybody in a better mood. Um don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button on the video. If you're watching us on YouTube, it does really, really help. And if you would uh, subscribe to the channel, if you haven't done so already, that is obviously uh, much appreciated too. We're closing in on 13 and a half thousand subscribers on YouTube alone. And I'd love us to get uh, over that milestone as soon as possible. So feel free if you haven't done so already, click the subscribe button. And of course, as always, like the video. Right, uh, let's uh, get more into this uh, this Matteo Genduzzi story. Uh, so it's L'Equipe who are saying that Matteo Genduzzi has agreed to join Marseille. A return to France uh, seems the most likely outcome for Genduzzi, who of course spent last season out on loan at Hertha Berlin in the Bundesliga. How did he get on in the Bundesliga? Because there's been a lot of debate about that, um, you know, how did he do? Was he good enough? Was he not good enough? Um, you know, did he pull up any trees? And I would say, based on what I've seen, and, and admittedly, I didn't watch every Hertha Berlin game, but I have been keeping an eye on Matteo Genduzzi, reading various things about him over the course of the season. And um, and it seemed to me like he did okay without really pulling up any trees. He didn't do enough, put it that way, to convince me Um and more importantly, to convince Arsenal that he has a future at the football club. You also have to take into consideration with Matteo Genduzzi, the player's contract situation. His contract with Arsenal Football Club, for those of you who don't know, is due to expire at the end of next season. So in terms of a sale, as far as a sale goes, it feels like it's very much now or never when it comes to this summer. So Matteo Genduzzi was always likely to leave the football club. The big question is, how much could Arsenal get uh, for the Frenchman, given the fact that when he joined the club and started his Arsenal career relatively well, his stock was up here, and now it's 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 much lower than that. You know, he's been banished by Arsenal for reasons that 
we'll go into in a moment. And then he's gone to her to Berlin, you know, not the most prestigious of clubs, hadn't enjoyed the best of seasons her to Berlin, and he didn't really stand out a great deal. Uh, not enough anyway for some of the big boys to come sniffing around and say, do you know what? We'll take a punt. We'll take a gamble on Matteo Genduzzi. In terms of the fee that Arsenal are uh, hoping to uh, to bring in for Matteo Genduzzi, well, I think this one's a bit of a, I'm not going to say a free hit, but it's a bit of a an easier one for Arsenal to kind of get away with bringing in a smaller fee, if that makes sense. You know, you look at Matteo Genduzzi and you look at what Arsenal paid for him and it was around about the seven to eight million pound mark. So as long as you get that, you haven't lost anything. I think at one time, Matteo Genduzzi looked like somebody who we could potentially get in excess of 20, 25 million pounds for. But that seems incredibly unlikely at this moment in time. I know a lot of people um, are talking about sort of prices in the chat box right now. And I can see some of you talking about 25 million minimum, somebody talking about uh, 20 million pounds. Let me be clear, the reports that we're getting from Le Ten Sport in France they state that Marseille are willing to pay between 12 and 15 million euros for the player, which is nowhere near um, the 20 million pound mark that, that some of us would like to see the club get. Of course, I would love to see Arsenal get the absolute maximum amount possible for Matteo Genduzzi. But you've got to take into account the contract situation. You've got to take into account the fact that the world and their dog know that he has got a bad attitude. Um, that has been well publicised, not just by Mikel Arteta, not just by Arsenal. In fact, Mikel Arteta said very little about it. But the Hertha Berlin boss had come out during the middle of last season and spoken about Genduzi and the fact that he is still going through football puberty i.e. he still needs to mature a great deal before he will go on to fulfil his potential. And for those of you who have been long-time listeners of the Chronicles of Aguna, and I just looked it up to see when it was before I went live, and it was back in November when I was joined on the show by Jeremy Aliadier, former Arsenal striker, who trained with Matteo Genduzzi at the back end of his playing career and at the start of Matteo Genduzzi's with Lorient in France. And I didn't prompt Jeremy Aliadier into saying this. And it was before, in fact, Jeremy, uh, before Matteo Genduzzi really had, you know, well, you know, we knew about sort of the, the issues behind the scenes. But the point is that Jeremy Aliadier wasn't prompted into saying it. But what he did say was he looked at this guy, he saw talent, he saw potential, he saw physical attributes like nobody he'd seen uh, at that age. However, he always had a feeling and always got the vibe from Matteo Genduzzi that the guy's attitude was going to hold him back and prevent him from fulfilling his potential. Now, Matteo Genduzzi could still go on and have a very good football career, right? He's only 22 years old. He's got a long way to go. But in order for him to do that, he needs to grow up very, very fast. And he could have had a great career. He could have been playing at a much higher level now than he is. And, you know, on the one hand, you look at Mikel Arteta and you say, well, over the course of his Arsenal tenure, he's probably been a little bit too obsessed with attitude, a little bit too obsessed with the way players conduct themselves off the field. And that, in some ways, has had a negative impact. But on the other hand, we want the culture to change at Arsenal Football Club. And that means that people like Matteo Genduzzi and others, you know, the likes of Shkodran Mustafi, Mesut Ozil, etc., etc., who the manager didn't believe were 
displaying the right values, were not adhering to his non-negotiables, as he called them. Those players need to go. And this is the issue here uh, with Matteo Genduzzi. I think that he has got the potential to go on and be a very, very good midfielder. I mean, when he first joined the club, we were all taken aback by how dominating, how physical, how mobile he was um, and how confident he was for someone of just, you know, what was he when he came? 19 years old? You know, to, for, to go from playing eight times in the French top flight, that's all he played for. Um, that's all the appearances he made, sorry, in the French top flight prior to joining Arsenal. To go from that to the Premier League, which can be incredibly daunting, and to essentially take to it like a duck to water was a testament to this guy's confidence. But there's a fine line between having confidence and the confidence you need to, to fit in and then being egotistical and being overconfident. And Matteo Genduzzi at times has shown that. Petulance has been a big problem for Matteo Genduzzi. And that has come through not just behind the scenes, but it's come through in his game at times. You know, we've seen it. And, and and that's the problem, you know, he needs to be able to channel that desire to win, which he clearly has and that passion for the game that he clearly has also. But he needs to channel it in the right way. And Matteo Genduzzi, up until now in his football career, has failed to channel that. And, you know, there will be managers out there who will look at him. There will be clubs out there who will look at him, Marseille being the main one, who will look at Matteo Genduzzi and say, this guy has talent. We believe in this guy. He can go on to great things. We're going to take a gamble. We're going to take a punt on him. But, you know, with each incident, with each club he goes to where the manager does come out and and if not say directly insinuate that his attitude is a problem, you know, the less of these options he's going to have and the less of an appeal he'll have. And you can think of many players over the years who broke onto the scene, showed incredible talent, incredible confidence, maturity, but then were unable to then continue that and were unable to go on and, and you know, really fulfill that potential because of their egos. And that's the issue um, with uh, with Matteo Genduzzi. I do wonder, and I know, like, you know, Arsene Wenger divided opinion at the end of his Arsenal tenure. And, you know, I'm not saying Arsene Wenger should be back or anything like that, but I do wonder if Arsene Wenger would have been more able and more willing to to have uh, you know to have put the hard work into Matteo Genduzzi because when Matteo Genduzzi signed for the club it was like a throwback to to Arsene Wenger's glory years it was a player from Ligue 1 in France who hadn't yet fulfilled his potential clearly had it uh, clearly had ability but hadn't fulfilled that potential had a bit of a question mark over his attitude and Arsene Wenger could take him on board and and sort of nurture him and be like a father figure and allow the player to, or help the player to channel his energy in the right way and get him to where he needed to be in the game. You just wonder if, you know, yes, Unai Emery gave him opportunities, but Mikel Arteta, when he first came in, his remit very much was. And the way he said himself he was going to approach the job was to weed out the bad eggs. Um, and and he did that. And he, he wasn't willing to give him the chance. You know, maybe that's the wrong decision. But Mikel Arteta's made his mind up on Matteo Genduzzi and he's not going back on it now. And I keep talking about the contract and, and that is significant for me because, as I say, 
when it comes to the sale of Matteo Genduzzi, it's now or never. But buying clubs know that and buying clubs are going to offer significantly less money uh, because of that. So Arsenal need to just, um, you know, I, I guess accept that they're not going to get the big fee that they'd hoped. Matteo Genduzzi's stock, having been up here after what a season at Arsenal, has uh, dipped dramatically. And, um, and we're going to have to see what we can get for him. But the reported fee that Marseille are willing to pay at the moment, and I stress the point that these are just reports claiming that Matteo Genduzzi has agreed to join Marseille. No fee has been agreed officially between the two clubs at the time of recording this podcast. But from what we understand, Marseille are willing to pay between 12 and 15 million euro, which I know to a lot of people is disappointing. But I think that that was all we were ever going to get for Matteo Genduzzi. And I'll tell you this now. On the 31st of May, 2021, as we head into the summer transfer window, lots of Arsenal fans have been doing sort of calculations on Twitter and trying to work out how much Arsenal are going to be able to recuperate from the players that they wish to move on this summer. I'm telling you now that the figures that some of you are coming up with are overblown and we are going to recuperate significantly less from these transfers than a lot of people want to believe. And that's because the market is the way it is. The COVID pandemic has had a huge impact, probably more so outside of the Premier League. And a lot of these players that we're looking to move on, they are going to end up leaving the Premier League. They are going to end up leaving England. And therefore, you're competing and you're dealing with a completely different market. And I think some Arsenal fans need to adjust their expectations to that so that we're not looking back and saying, well, we should have got 25 million for Genduzi. We should have got 25 million for Torreira. It's just not realistic. You know, it's not realistic at all. And, and that's because of the circumstances around the globe at the moment. So um, there we go. So that's the update on Matteo Genduzzi. Uh, get your questions in the chat, your comments in the chat on Matteo Genduzzi. I'll pick up a few of those uh, in just a moment. What do you want to know? Uh, what do you think? What is your view on the uh, the idea of Matteo Genduzzi being sold to Marseille for something in the region of 12 to 15 million euros? Um, just a quick reminder while I'm here, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. So we thank Manscaped for their very kind uh, sponsorship throughout the month of May. Uh, thank you all so, so much. Um, and thank you to all of you guys who have purchased their products because our discount code is being used, which is always great to see. Uh, so if you head over to the website, check out whatever product you want, uh, check out all of the things they have to offer. And they've got some fantastic bits and pieces uh, to help you with your male grooming needs. If you enter that discount code, which is 90min20, you will receive 20% off of your total order as well as free worldwide shipping. So you stand to save yourself a fair bit of money. And as I say, once again, a big thank you to Manscaped for their kind sponsorship and a big thank you to those of you who have Purchase things using our discount code because you're not just supporting Manscaped, you're supporting the podcast as well, uh, which is much appreciated. Uh, let's go over to the uh, live uh, chat box. Um, Stu says, Xhaka has taken Arsenal to the UC to, from UCL to Europa to outside of a conference place, butchering Guendouzi, Torreira and Sabeos in the process. And Arsenal wonder why they fail. It's that egotist. I don't know what Xhaka had to do with the discussion, but, but you know, Matteo Genduzzi, for all the ability that he might have, for all the potential 
that Matteo Genduzzi might have is a rotten apple. That's the reality, you know, and it's not just Arsenal. He's had problems at Lorient. He had problems at PSG. He had problems at Arsenal and he's had problems at Hertha Berlin. I mean, what more does the guy need to do for people to, to say, yes, he's got talent. Yes, he's got potential, but his attitude is all wrong. It is all wrong. And, and, and that's the reality. Um, what else have we got here uh, in terms of the uh, chat box? Uh, Abdallah, I'm assuming, is a Chelsea fan. I don't know why you've got Jack Grealish as your picture then. But anyway, uh, are you finally ready to admit that we're the biggest club in London? Two Champions League trophies to your none. Obviously a Chelsea fan. And we're going to touch on the Chelsea Champions League win in a minute. Um, it is on my agenda today. Uh, Matt says, I find it strange how many fans are willing to bet their life savings on Genduzi. He's got talent, but in my opinion, he hasn't done nearly enough to forgive his attitude problems. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Um, Ananth says, I'd rather keep players with good attitude and who play for the team like El Nini rather than bad eggs uh, like Genduzi. Sergeus sums it up. He says Guendouzi is going to be the next Mario Balotelli. That's another player. Bags and bags of bags of talent and quality. But his head was all wrong. You know, Nicholas and Nelka, right, who enjoyed a good career, was someone who enjoyed a good career because he was that bloody talented. He was incredibly talented. But just imagine what a career Nicola and Nelka would have had if his attitude was right. And if he didn't listen to his brothers and he didn't listen to bad advice and he didn't think he was bigger than everybody and anybody. You know, uh, there's so many players in the history of football who have failed to hit their absolute maximum and their potential simply because their attitude wasn't right. And and why are we so, you know, afraid of that? Why are we so afraid to to call him out for having a bad attitude or why are some people so afraid to call him out for having a bad attitude? You know, that's the reality when it comes to Matteo Genduzzi and people have to accept that. I know people wanted him to succeed because the start of his career was so brilliant at Arsenal that we kind of all fell in love with him, but it became apparent very quickly. I think that tactically he wasn't quite right. Um, something he can improve on, of course, but he seemed a bit raw in that sense Positionally, he wasn't great. Technically, he was okay. He was secure, but he wasn't outstanding, I would say. So, you know, let's uh, let's not pretend that we're selling Zinedine Zidane here, uh, prime Zinedine Zidane, and, and, and that's why we're all outraged, because we're not. We're selling a player with the potential to go on and do good things in football, but by the looks of it, a player who isn't going to fulfil that potential due to other reasons, largely uh, being his um, his attitude. Right. Uh, that's enough on Matteo Genduzzi. Let me just see uh, what you guys are saying in the chat. Uh, Bad Boy says he's another one we will regret letting go. Uh, Marble Halls TV says um, Genduzzi is better at number eight than at six. He has energy, but isn't positionally good enough to be a number six. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. Right. Um, let's move on from Matteo Genduzzi and let's discuss... The weekend's Champions League final. Chelsea, of course, won the UEFA Champions League, defeating Manchester City, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, in the final. And, um, you know, Chelsea fans have been giving it large over the last few days. You know, they're talking about Chelsea being a bigger club than Arsenal at the moment because, or, or having overtaken Arsenal in terms of the size of the club because of the fact they've won uh, two UEFA Champions Leagues. 
And I get that. You know, I get that. Chelsea have been on a, an upward trajectory since 2004, I think it was, when uh, Roman Abramovich came in and took over the club. And they've been on a much better path than Arsenal. You know, there's no doubt about that. It depends how you judge the size of a club, right? I judge the size of a club because I'm old-fashioned on the size of the fan base. How big is the fan base? And to to build a global fan base, you need to have a sustained period of success, whether that be 15, 20 years or being at the very pinnacle of the game. And and Chelsea have done that now. And, and Chelsea are growing in terms of uh, their size as a club. And you can tell that, I think, when I've done media work in other countries in particular. And when I've done a lot of media work involving, involving the United States and, and, and sort of a more global audience, the African audience, the Indian audience, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's when you understand that Chelsea are a big club or a bigger club than they were a long time ago. And look, you know, you can have that debate all day. And I think you could argue that both ways about who the biggest club is in London, because it's totally dependent on how you judge a big club. What is a big club in your book? But, you know, you have to say for all the shit that Roman Abramovich gets, for all the criticism he gets, he has delivered silverware on a regular basis because he is willing to put his money where his mouth is. And he actually cares about the footballing side of things, just like Manchester City's owners do, you know, but you're talking about guys who, you know, have bought these football clubs as toys, as passion projects. And, and that's why ultimately they're desperate for their teams to succeed. We're talking about owners at Arsenal who are business people who don't really care about anything other than balancing the books, turning over a profit and paying out their dividends at the end of every season. And that difference in attitude at the very, very top of these football clubs in comparison to Arsenal is why Manchester City are going to dominate uh, have dominated things domestically in recent years. It's why uh, Chelsea have won two UEFA Champions Leagues, um, you know, since since Abramovich's investment and Arsenal are, are falling further and further behind because the attitude at Chelsea is is one whereby they want success. It's one by where they, they're going to pump their money and put the money where their mouth is in order to achieve what they want to achieve. But just touching on the Champions League final in isolation as a football match, as a contest, you know, yes, credit to Chelsea. They defended very well and they took their chance when it came to Kai Havertz. And Kai Havertz, by the way, who's been branded as the biggest waste of money, I think he's repaid that fee uh, just by scoring that Champions League winning goal alone. Uh, but going back to the actual game, I mean, Pep Guardiola, what on earth was he doing? Pep Guardiola just got it horribly, horribly wrong. His decision to pick a completely unbalanced side, I think, was a consequence of Chelsea almost getting in his head. You know, Thomas Tuchel had picked up two victories, one in the FA Cup semi-final and one in the Premier League at the Etihad recently over Pep Guardiola. And I think that caused him to overthink. And Guardiola's done that time and time again in recent seasons. And it's baffling. You know, he's gone from a manager who was completely confident in his way of playing, completely set on a style, an identity. And he seems to veer away from that now from time to time. And it's proven to, to be costly. Um, on numerous occasions. But that fault that we've seen in Pep Guardiola sort of rear its ugly head at the weekend is something that you can kind of level at Mikel Arteta as well. And you can see the two are very similar in their ways of thinking. And I get that having worked 
under Pep Guardiola, there will be a lot of things that Mikel Arteta will have taken from him, will look up to him about and will try and emulate. But this thing to overthink, uh, you know, this this thing of overthinking games is a problem. And it feels as though it, it's a bit of an ego thing with these coaches. It's a bit of an ego thing with Pep. It's a bit of an ego thing with Arteta at times where almost they're kind of overestimating what their selection will do, what their tactical game plan or over, what's the word? They, they overvalue how much a tactical tweak can implement, uh, can impact on a game of football. That's what I'm trying to say. So, you know, you can make that tweak because you think that it's going to win you the game of football. And ultimately, it just undoes all of the good that you've done over the last couple of years or so. So I think that Pep Guardiola completely overthought it. And I think we've seen Mikel Arteta do that as well. Um, and it's probably based on a little bit of arrogance. You know, Pep Guardiola, I'm the best coach in the world. Um, and so I'm going to do something that's going to be a tactical masterclass. I'm going to try and pull something off that completely uh, throws Chelsea off and, and sees us win the game. When actually all you need a lot of the time and most of the time is to send your players out, especially when they're as good as Manchester City's players, tell them to go out and play their game. Nobody else's game, their game. And more often than not, if they're good enough, which in Man City's case, we all know they bloody are, they will get the result that they need. And I think that Mikel Arteta has shown signs of doing that as well at certain points where he's almost having gone from being very trusting in his players to almost not trusting them at all to the point where he feels that he needs to completely change the game plan for certain fixtures. And from time to time, it will work. And when it works, um, you know, you'll be called the tactical genius. It will be called the masterclass. It will be called uh, brilliant. But when it goes wrong, you'll be called an idiot. You'll be called incompetent. And I think that these managers, Pep Guardiola and Pe and Mikel Arteta, who's done it from time to time this season, are almost going into certain games of football and overcomplicating them, overthinking them to the point whereby all of the good things that you have implemented over the time you've been there are almost put on ice for certain games. And that doesn't allow you, in my opinion, to compete at your best level. So, yeah, you know, congratulations to Chelsea. But I thought Pep Guardiola got it horribly, horribly wrong. And it felt like I was watching Mikel Arteta in charge, overthinking, over trying, trying to overcompensate in certain areas, trying to be too clever, trying to be too smart. And it blew up in his face. And I just, you know, I hope that Mikel Arteta, I'm sure he was watching it, but I hope that he was watching it and learned a lesson from it because a lesson is there to be learned. You know, sometimes you're better off as a manager, not overcomplicating things, sticking to what it is that your team does best, sticking to your own game. And if you're good enough, you should be playing your game rather than anybody else's. I get it with Arsenal. We've gone away from home against some of the big sides lately and he's felt the need to do that. And I, I wouldn't say it was the wrong decision. But in Man City's case, where you're absolutely good enough, it is the wrong decision and it's mad. Absolute madness. But anyway, congratulations to Chelsea. Uh, obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I didn't want to see them win it um, necessarily. I didn't want to see Man City win it though either. So it felt like the death of football to me, the two, the two uh, clubs run by sugar daddies, essentially getting to the Champions League final kind of gives us a bit of a, 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 a nudge in terms of, you know, football is, is going that way. And, and it's a bit of a realisation, actually, that football is not what it was in terms of the way the game runs. You know, it's 
Chelsea bought their way to, to prominence. Um, Manchester City have done the same. So who either, whoever won that, uh, you would have been, it would have been followed by the same narrative. You know, the money has taken over. And um, when you look at that, when you look at the fact that it was Man City, Chelsea in the Champions League final, you look at last season, the Champions League final in, involved Paris Saint-Germain, who had, at, historically as a European force been very weak but obviously had that huge investment over the years and got themselves to the final. You start to think that, yes, we moan about Arsenal and we want to see Arsenal at a higher level, but how can you compete with that kind of money? You know, money pays, money wins, and and, and we're, we're seeing that more and more now in, in the modern game. And I think you just, you just got to deal with it. You know, it, it is what it is. And I think you have to temper your expectations off the back of that. How can you compete with teams that can go and spend 50, 60, 70 million, two, three times in the same transfer window. We're just not on that level. And um, maybe you'd argue we should have been, had the club been run better over the years, but we're not. And um, that's what makes it incredibly difficult to bridge the gap between ourselves and those clubs. Uh, let's uh, let's go over to the live chat box one more time uh, before we wrap up this live edition of the podcast. Big hello to Inny uh, for your very kind super chat donation, mate. He says, hey, Harry and everyone in the discussion, hit the like. Yes, hit the like button. We'll check in in a second on where we are in terms of like. He says, there's a lot of conflicting reports on the Gwenduzi price. Any certainty? From what I understand, mate, it is uh, looking at around about 12 to 15 million euros. That's what's being widely reported by a number of sources in France. I'm not claiming to have any inside knowledge. I absolutely don't. Uh, but from what I've read um, and, and from where I've read it from, that seems to be the most credible report at the moment. The report that says Arsenal um, will, will, will hold negotiations with Marseille, that the player himself has agreed to join Marseille. Personal terms, not an issue, but... Uh, a fee is yet to be agreed with Marseille looking to pay around 12 to 15 million euros. If you also look a bit deeper into it and try and understand Marseille's current financial situation and what they're likely to be able to do this summer, that kind of fits in with that as well, uh, which in my opinion makes the report a little bit more credible. Uh, but thank you very much, mate, for your very kind Super Chat donation. And uh, it is very much appreciated. Right, let's quickly check in where we are on the likes uh, before I wrap it up. I have got to jump back to work. Uh, somebody asked me earlier on if I'm off today. Well, let me tell you what somebody told me um, when I first started working in, in sort of the football industry and I was very new and I, I wanted a bank holiday off. Somebody famously said to me, uh, one of my old bosses, actually, that there are no bank holidays in football. And that's absolutely right. There are no bank holidays. Football never bloody stops. Uh, so full day of work for me today, which I need to get back to. But um, I can see right now there's over 250 of you watching us live on YouTube, but we're only on 61 likes. So if you could, it would be hugely appreciated. Please hit that like button. It doesn't cost a penny, doesn't cost a thing. It will take you a split second and it really helps the channel equally. We'd love you to subscribe to the channel. Also, if you feel like supporting it and becoming a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description too. And make sure you check out manscaped.com. Let's try and get to 100 likes by the time the outro plays. I'd love to see that. Um, and I'd be very, very grateful. I'll catch you all a little bit later on today with another stream. Uh, if you're an audio listener, the next one will be out first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, but I'll catch you guys later on for some more Arsenal transfer talk. Until then, take care.
You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. 